I'm a desperate man Send lawyers, guns and money Your shit has hit the fan Hi folks, this is Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of today's Survival Show, where it's my goal to help you harness the power of choice, to live life the way you want to live it on your own terms and strengthen your resolve. I try to keep things simple. I try to just keep them rooted in common sense. No tin foil hat type thinking. I don't think you want to hear that. Plenty of places you can go to get that. I just talk about common sense preparedness on this show. This is episode number, I believe, 117. Pretty sure about that. Uh, first of all, I just want to let you know that this is going to be another interview. I like to bring people from our forum and from our listener base on this show because there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of knowledge. And sometimes they just don't get the right avenue to share it. So I want this show to be a listener based and listener contributed show and for you to share your knowledge so I got a gentleman by the name of John and he lives in Tennessee he goes by M. Yolnir on the forums M. Yolnir uh, he is the author of The Anatomy of Ending a Fight the show I did a few weeks back he wrote that I just kinda of put my own little spin on it well I got him to come on the show so you're gonna hear very very good quality interview uh, with John and I and uh, you know, I tell you, he's uh, he's an emergency room technician, so he sees firsthand what goes on out there when people come into the emergency room after they've been in some kind of a fight or altercation. And this is definitely a survival topic, folks. You need to know, um, you need to know what happens, what to do if this happens to you, especially after the stink hits the fan, folks. I keep saying this all the time, and it's so true. After any disaster, there's always some type of, some period of violent activity that goes on. That's just, you know, that's human nature, unfortunately. As much as we don't like to admit it, let's face it, it's human nature. That's the way people are sometimes going to be. So, I'm not going to steal too much from the interview. This is so good, and he does such a good job. We got together using Skype recently, and I recorded it. This is so good, I think you're going to like it so much that uh, I just want to knock out a couple of announcements, and I'll put the interview on. First of all, uh, don't forget the website, todayssurvival.com. Check me out on Facebook. Just search Bob Main on Facebook if you want to uh, connect with me there. And probably the best thing if you want to connect with me in comments and so forth is our forum. You can put comments right on the blog page if you want where you find this podcast, but also the forum is a great place to do that. Just click the forum tab on the website at todayssurvival.com and you'll see how to join the forum. And I also want to tell you, if you're an iTunes listener, would you do me a favor? If you download this show on iTunes, I could use some more reviews. Let me know what you think, good, bad, or indifferent. I don't care. Um, I want to make this show better, and the only way I can do that is to hear from you. Other people, when they find this show, if you're like me, you read the reviews, right? So, give me your honest opinion. And go to iTunes, go to the page where you find this podcast, and write a review, if you would. With that said, um, I don't have any election comments, folks, because I'm recording this before the election, the midterm elections. Uh, Next week, I'll definitely have some election comments. Politics is part of survival. Folks, uh, all of our problems were not fixed at the voting booth. I can tell you that. Um, And I I can safely say that even though I'm recording this before election. Because I firmly believe that. All of our problems are not fixed at the voting booth. And I hope that wasn't people's attitudes last Tuesday when they voted. But I will tell you this, that next week I will have some election comments. And I'll talk about what I think those elections mean to us going forward. Just my personal opinion. I'm no expert by any means. But it's just kind of my personal thoughts on it. And you can take it for what it's what it's worth and uh, and go from there so that's it that closes out the announcements when my interview with John is done I got just a couple things I want to say to close the show and that's it so here you go uh, you're gonna hear a 15 second break and then John will be on talking about part two of the anatomy of ending the ending a fight good common sense stuff from an emergency room technicians perspective here you go
Okay, everybody, for the main topic, I have another uh, excellent interview scheduled. And I am joined by John from Tennessee, and his handle on today's Survival Show Forum is Mjolnir. Did I get that right, John? That is correct. All right. John, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, for those of you who also listen to my Handgun World show, it's going to be posted. So I'm going to probably put this show on on both uh, Survival Show because we're going to talk about some pretty cool stuff. Let me introduce you guys to John. He's an emergency room technician, and I'll just leave it at that. He's joining me from the state of Tennessee via Skype. And if you all recall, I recently posted a podcast called Anatomy of Ending a Fight, and that was his writing. Uh, I didn't write any of that, and I gave him credit for that. And So i got to tell you, um, that was brilliant. Thank you for, for writing that. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I hope that uh, a lot of other folks found it useful. So, Well, I found it useful. It's why I made a show of it, because a lot of people are too worried about calibers and the type of gun and sights and all that stuff, and they're not really worried about what you need to do to stop somebody. Would you agree with me on that? Absolutely. Uh, People tend to get hung up on the word gun and totally forget fight. You know, I mean, uh, there's a lot more to it than just the equipment side of what goes into surviving a gunfight. So I figured it'd be good to expand on that. In your uh, forum that you got there, it's definitely a good venue for doing that. Well, since you brought that up, you know, you are an emergency room technician, so I'm sure you see a little of everything, don't you? Yeah, we see the full spectrum, you know, uh, normal injuries to some pretty odd stuff, I suppose. But we get, um, we are a level one trauma center where I work, so we get a lot of, uh, we get it. We're the only level one trauma center in a 150 mile radius, so we get wow. everything from rural injuries to the inner city injuries and stuff, where uh, gang activity seems to be growing by leaps and bounds. Unfortunately, that's unfortunate, and you know that's what people need to protect themselves from. I it frustrates me sometimes when people take self protection lightly. There seems to be a general theme in the United States, that violent crime is going down. And that might be true, statistically speaking, but I'll bet you you see the worst of it, don't you? Yeah, it's, um, like I said, we see the full spectrum. We see some minor stuff, but more and more I'm seeing a lot more, a lot more street violence coming into the ER and stuff. Uh, A lot of shootings, stabbings, beatings, you know, I mean, it's, it's, Pretty disheartening sometimes. Well, without getting too graphic, because I don't want people to get too turned off, um, tell us about some of that. Um, If you you can. If you can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, anything in particular? (laughs) Well, what – let me tell you, have you ever seen a situation where – Somebody was a victim, and they didn't defend themselves, and they're they're in your emergency room. Okay, you say you've seen that. So so let me ask you about this. For for people who aren't quite sure whether they want to carry a gun or not, um, tell me what you think some of these victims uh, suffered through. Um... I've seen people, let's see here. Well, the first thing I can say, I'll kind of back up a little bit. Um, yeah. It's the whole victim mindset. You know, you see a lot of people who are like, oh, I just, you know, couldn't believe it was going to happen to me. I didn't think they were going to do that. You know, uh, most of the violence that we see from the inner city and stuff, it's never a typically never um, one-on-one involved crimes there always seems to be multiple assailants or something to that effect and uh most people will spend the whole time you know hesitating um 
Yeah. Oh, he's not going to do nothing if I just back up. I'll try to, you know, calm him down, which you should try to, like, talk your way out of it if you can. But when it gets to a certain point, you realize, you know, words ain't cutting. And if you can't beat feet and get out of there, you know, it's time to quit talking and do what you need to do to defend yourself. But, uh, but yeah, I've seen firsthand the aftermath of uh, what happens when you do fail to defend yourself or um, – you put yourself in a bad situation. So, um, you've okay. seen them coming into your ER, haven't you? Absolutely. Um, one too long ago, we had a, a young man came in and, uh, he got into an altercation with one person and, uh, he ended up going to the ground. And it seems like the whole pack mentality once you're down, you got people dogpiling on you or whatever, but, uh, he ended up in the ICU, and he's fortunate to be alive. You know, I mean, ground is the last place you want to go when you're on the street. So. Well, yes, it is. And it, it fights often go to the ground, and it is the last place you want to be. And, you know, you, you mentioned something interesting just a minute ago. You said that um, this person, this one particular person you're talking about right now was attacked by multiple assailants. Is that what you mm-hmm. just said, right? Uh, yes, it is. See, let me just let me just key in on that for a minute. Multiple assailants. You know, I think a lot of people think it's going to be a one-on-one confrontation. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, I can handle myself against another guy. And I think what they sometimes forget is there may be more than one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe even four people. Yeah. That's why I'm a big big fan of, of, of something high capacity, if you have it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that kind of ties in with the whole, uh, I guess we can get to that later when we get to talking about that uh, last show, the whole anatomy of ending the fight and everything. Yeah. My personal theories and principles on uh, capacity, and gun size and caliber and all that. But um, how Tell that ties in. Well, um, go ahead and get into that. Go ahead and get into it. All right. So here you go. You got your whole basic anatomy that you covered brilliantly. Um but when you take your target areas, you look at the size of them. When you're choosing your firearm that you're planning on using for personal defense, you got to look at not only the weapons capability of are they able of achieving the accuracy to effectively put those rounds on target, but are you able to effectively put them there also? Right. Um, so carrying a lot of these subcaliber guns you know i consider subcaliber or anything below nine millimeter um you've got to look at what the round is capable of how much penetration does it get um the big big keys to you know uh effectively ending the fight you know with any caliber is you need placement and penetration um you got to have enough penetration to get the round where it needs to go now if you got a target who's bladed to you who's heavy set or muscle bound or whatever and you're shooting you know uh 22 or 32 and they're at a bladed stance or whatever you might not get it to that heart depending on how thick their their upper body is yeah so, that's true uh, so that pretty much limits you to if they're not straight in front of you then you're going to be trying to go for headshots you know i mean is your gun are you capable of t- making your gun do that you know in that stressful situation um can I say something about that real quick? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. hold your thought for a minute. Headshots. Uh, and I want to ask you about the below 9mm comment, but let me get mm-hmm. on to this. Let me get on to this headshot thing for a minute. Mm-hmm. For me, headshots are extremely difficult. And when I shoot IDPA, sometimes I will shoot headshots on purpose, even though it slows me down, just so I can get the practice. But... It's hard enough with paper targets that are standing still. I can't imagine trying to shoot somebody in the head who's moving. That's got to be pretty difficult, isn't it? Yeah, I would definitely say it is, but it's all going to be situational dependent. You know, I mean, you got to be able to, you know, uh, analyze and decide on the fly. You know, it's the whole Oda loop, um, observe, Yoda, orient, yeah. decide, decide yeah. and act. You know, um, obviously you're not going to be going for headshots, you know, one-handed at 
15 yards or something like that. And likewise, <laughs> you're not going to do it for one yard because you're presenting your gun in such a way to where it can be deflected or you could be disarmed or some, some way. It's, it's definitely one of those things you kind of got to analyze the situation to decide on the fly. You know, that's why we practice like a whole spectrum of different shooting scenarios and everything else so that we're better equipped to decide what, what's going to work and what doesn't work. You know, and that's a real handy thing where force-on-force force training comes into play, too. Oh, great point. I've never had a chance to take force-on-force force training. I hope to sometime. And matter of fact, that's probably next on my list is is to save the money to take force-on-force. Force. Um, okay, I, I, I do want to ask you about the uh, sub-caliber stuff, but before I get mm-hmm. into that, something you said made me think about this. I don't, I don't know what made me think about this, but but... The victims that have come into your emergency room, mm-hmm. and I talk about victims. Yes. Were they were they armed? Um. Some of them, you know, you get honestly when you're getting people in. Most of the shootings that we get in from rural areas tend to be accidents. Alcohol is involved a lot of times. Um, you don't see too many, you know, shootings or stabbings and stuff come in from rural environments as much. Most of those are more beatings, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's usually a lot less severe. Usually we do get some, but, you know, uh, I can only work so much in the ER. So I only catch stuff in, uh, here, the secondhand stores of when I'm not working, but, um, well, excuse me for a minute. I'm talking specifically mm-hmm. about I'm talking specifically about the one that you mentioned earlier when we first started this interview. The the one. No, person. he was he was not armed, and neither he was, not was the uh, person that was with him that uh, she was not attacked, um, to my knowledge. Okay. Uh, Do you think if he would have been armed, it would have been a better outcome? Absolutely. From from what I, what I get information I gathered. From the uh, family member who was there during the attack and from uh, the responding police officers. Because anytime, there's the other thing, anytime we get like uh, any kind of, you know, victim of crime, you know, assault, you know, or whether it's the actual bad guy themselves who ends up in the ER, law enforcement is always there because they got an investigation to conduct also. And so I get a lot of time. Um, to uh, talk to them, pick their brains and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. several of my friends with, so I get to, you know, ask them about, you know, I constantly question people, you know, all of them about, you know, shootings that they've been involved with as far as an individual themselves or ones that they've investigated and stuff. So, uh, so I mean, it's, it's a very fortunate experience, you know, for me to be able to, have these kind of resources to, to bounce ideas off of and, you know, get information from and this kind of stuff. But uh, how, much, yeah. how much trauma was he in? Um, He ended up going to the ICU room. ICU room like I said, he uh, yep. had been beat about his head very badly, multiple lacerations from skull fracture, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, and from what we gathered from the family member, and of course, you know, no. Uh, Stress-induced adrenaline and all that kind of stuff, uh, time distortion. You know, she said they, you know, at one point she's like said they just kept, you know, beating him, beating him, beating him, beating him. You know, and there's another point too. Had she been armed, she might have been able better suited to stop the situation herself as well. There you, you know? go. Yeah. And um, and that's the whole defense of a third party. You know, excuse for um a reason behind you know being armed. But um, yeah, and I know that's kind of a, you know defense of a third party is kind of a sticky subject. But but you're right. There's a good example of it. And you know perhaps that perhaps this guy could have saved himself a lot of trauma and maybe even a trip to the ICU if he would no. have been armed. Because I think you said his attacker was not armed, correct? No, from from the re- reports that we heard and the, from what talked to them, because they caught all the guys. You know, they took him a few days, but they ended up you know. You know, getting in the interview room and crying, and they spilled the beans on each other or whatever, however that turned out. But they did catch all the guys. So, um, but yeah, they, uh, none of them were armed according to all the reports and stuff that I heard. So, 
it's just pretty much mass attack and overwhelmed, you know. But it was also one that was very easily seen coming. So, but you get into the whole it can't it can't happen to me mindset. So. Yes, and I think I happen to think there's a lot of people who walk around with the mindset that, well, it just can't happen to me. Yeah, it's it's, it's not going to happen to me, and just when they least expect it, it happens to them. No, that's it. That's I bet you see. I bet you see that, don't you? Absolutely, and it, you know, being in the ER, it's not just uh, you know victims of crime; it's victims of everything you know car crashes you know i mean that's by and far most most of our traumas come in is through uh motor vehicle accidents and stuff and uh it's just we were just driving along and nothing you know and everything was fine and next thing we knew we're flipped upside down and everything else you know yeah yeah well as i said in that show anatomy of ending a fight um i don't think you wrote this but i kind of threw it in there in, in in my opinion, I'm not so sure if a person's objective when they're defending themselves is to kill the other person, but rather to stop the other person. Absolutely. You know, I mean, any any good, good self-defense instructor or attorney or anything like that must always tell you that, you know, your goal is never, your intention should never be to outright kill the individual. You're just trying to stop them from hurting you. And it just so happens that... We know that the easiest way to stop a threat is to hit those areas. And the reason that it is effective is because, you know, nine times out of ten, it results in incapacitation to the point that they do end up dying. So. Sounds like you got a little one there. Yes, I do. They're supposed to be in the back of the house right now. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. Little, little ones are little prize jewels. That, that's I, I love them. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and you have uh, three, uh, and they're a handful. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of trash on the internet about that people 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 just seem to post a lot of garbage, and they say stuff like, "Well, you know, you need to you need to make sure you kill your attacker because dead men tell no stories and all that kind of stuff." And uh, I don't yeah, I don't that's... buy into that. No, and when people make claims like that, they're pretty much telling everybody their story right then and there. And if they get on uh, get on record, if that ever comes out in a court, you know, in a court after they've been in a self defense shooting, whether it's justified or not, that's pretty damning testimony, you know, to have told a jury, "Don't dead men tell no tales," you know. Yeah, yeah. So um, let me tell everybody listening to this show: be real careful what you post on the internet. Absolutely. I'll second that. You know. All right. Let's get to this um, um, below nine millimeter substandard calibers and stuff like that. Um, and, and really, seriously, I don't mind if you uh, have a different opinion of, of than what I have. I mean, I, I always mm-hmm. welcome all opinions. I'm known sometimes to carry a mouse gun, to carry a 380. The only time that I carry it is either in a backup role or I carry it in a situation where I absolutely cannot afford to be made whatsoever in any way, shape, or form, and I, I do a lot of business, and sometimes I go into a, a non-permissive environment where I cannot, uh, I can't carry my Glock 19, or, or sometimes I can't even put, I can't even carry the car PM9, it, depending on, on, on what I'm wearing and so forth, but tell us about your thoughts on anything below a 9 millimeter. Okay, well let me clarify that first. I don't think that uh, maybe I shouldn't use substandard. I don't think it's I do, right. but if, if uh, um, think my I said thought process you. is, yeah, that's all, <laughs> it's all good. Um, I, I'm a big believer in uh, any any gun will do if you will do. And uh, but you got to understand what it is capable of doing. You get, you know, if you want it, if you're trying to ask something of it that's beyond its capabilities, it's obviously not going to work. And blaming the gun for doing something that it wasn't capable of doing to begin with is not the gun's fault. It's the person using its fault, you know, and that goes back to what I was saying about uh, having enough penetration to do the job. You know, if the gun and if the caliber um, in combination with the gun, because the shorter the barrel, obviously the lower the velocities, unless you're using a a specialty short barreled load or something like uh, some of the ones that are out for, Oh, just an example, the uh, 38 Special for, 
for the snub nose revolvers. They got, you know, specially loaded hot ammo for those short barreled guns. Um, Spirit. Any- yes, absolutely. Um, but anytime you have, um, some of these like mouse gun calibers in mouse guns, which are small anyways, you know, you're, you're getting lower velocities, which, you know, depending on the, the caliber and the bullet configuration and stuff leads to less penetration. Um, anytime I'm shooting anything below for self-defense for below a nine millimeter, um, I generally use full metal jackets so that I can get more penetration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because in everything I've studied, everything I've seen, you know, it's penetration and placement. You got to be able to get to those vitals, significantly damage them to the point that, you know, they no longer function or they're losing too much blood to maintain system pressure to get blood to the brain, you know, to keep things going. So, um, yeah, which I covered a little bit that you so eloqu- eloquently wrote. And um, that's interesting that you favor carrying FMJs in calibers less than 9mm. Right. I've heard two, I've heard yeah, two but... schools of saw, thought. I, I've, I've had people actually tell me, Bob, carry FMJs in that 380 that you have. Absolutely. And, yeah, and, and then I also, like right now, um, it's loaded with uh, Remington Golden Saber 102 grain, which are pretty hot load hot loads. Right. Um, but well, you know, those won't uh, penetrate enough. I don't know. Um, the only way you're going to find out is to test it. You yeah. Know, I mean, I'm a big fan of uh, testing what you carry. And, you know, I mean. Um, how would you do that? How, how, do, how do you test it? Um, well, I have a farm. So I have livestock and stuff, and uh, so and I also hunt. So when I'm using a caliber legal for taking game, um, then I'll take game with it of proportionate size. Or you know, when it's time for uh, butchering goes, as far as that goes, then I'll actually test it on my goats or stuff like that in a humane <laughs> Which you posted and on the forum, which was great. I, I did post on the forum full of pictures so people could see the uh, effects yep. of 115 grain 9 millimeter gold dots, yep. yeah. But, um... Yeah, and by the way, I'm going to link to that. You guys would be really surprised the effect of spear gold dot 115 grain. And, and John did it in a very humane manner. I, let, let me go ahead and put that out there. Um, there was no cruelty involved at all, but it, it is. I was surprised when I saw that what 115 grain nine millimeter can really do. Yeah, and um, and also if uh, before I had the ability to do that before we had our farm and stuff, um, I uh, looked at a lot of ballistic gelatin data, and then I did the whole homemade uh, wet phone book newspaper test, you know, seeing how much penetration we get. All that kind of stuff. Um, so, but that's where my whole thought process and, you know, and uh, opinions, I guess you could say, on caliber effectiveness and all that kind of stuff um, and uh, penetration capabilities of certain, you know, rounds in combination with, you know, uh, barrel length came from. So, uh, have you seen people that have come into your ER? that were shot with small calibers that Absolutely. survived just fine? Yep. I've seen uh, not too long ago. I don't want to get too much into specifics. But uh wasn't too terribly long ago. He stuck a uh, twenty two long rifle fired from a Marlin Model 60 using uh, lead round nose bullets, self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. And it caused him to lose con- consciousness briefly. He woke up. He called EMS and he opened the door for him when they showed up and they carted him in on a stretcher. So, wow, you're but, wait, 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 that was a 22 long rifle from a Marlin Model 60, which is a rifle. Yes, yeah. it is. I believe it has an 18 inch barrel, but don't quote me. Anybody can look up the uh, specs on that on Marlin's website. Mm. But uh, and it all oh, there again, same kind of deal comes to placement. And penetration, you know, capabilities or whatever, but the barrel was stuck underneath of his chin, angled up, bullet lodged up in the top front portion of his head. So, and it was self-inflicted. You know. So he let the ER people, or he let the emergency responders in the door himself. Yes, 
Yes, he did. Gosh, wow. He called them, and when they showed up, you know, they said he was in the house, and he opened the door, and he sat down in the chair, and and that's when they started doing their thing. But the bullet went through the bottom of his, underneath of his chin, through this, through his tongue, into the top of his mouth, into a sinus cavity. I'm not sure if it bounced around there or not. He had a pretty good arterial spurt coming out of one little hole from a fragment, or I don't know if it was a bone fragment, or if it was from the uh, piece of the bullet itself. But he had one of those little arterial spurt, which was kind of interesting. First time I'd seen that actually coming out of his cheek. Wow. Um, but they did the x-rays and the, or the uh, CT scan, and uh, they said that the bullet was in the top of his head, so in the very front portion. So, See, there you go. And, you know, I'm not trying to put down anybody when I say this, but I've seen a lot of stuff posted around saying, well, you know, I, I got a 22, and, 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 and that's probably good enough. I've actually, I've actually seen posts like that that say, well, you know, I mean, if I place it right with my 22, it's enough. Yeah, maybe that's true, but, boy, you'd have to place it just right, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And there's, you know, I mean, shooting medium, small game, you know, recognize everything else. Personal experience with uh, pistols and everything using lead round nose bullets, you know, uh, which penetrate deeper than the hollow points, you know, because you don't get the mushrooming effect, especially out of the short barrels and stuff. But uh, and having them graze underneath the skin, go right along the top of the skull, that kind of stuff, you know. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of uh, 22 long rifles for defense, but, and so, you know, I mean, they can be effective. You know, I won't say they're completely ineffective because, you know, there have been people shot and killed with them, but I'm personally, it's something I wouldn't suggest. You know, better than, they're better than nothing, but... Uh, better than nothing, but, you know. Yeah. You're reminding me how important penetration is. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, like I say, you've got to be able to hit something vital that's capable of actually stopping the person if you want them stopped, you know, and if uh, the bullet can't penetrate deep enough, then then it's not going to get it done. What's your, what's your definition of decent penetration? Being able to damage vitals enough to the point where it incapacitates them. You know, like I say, it's, um, I'm a big believer in, you know, uh, asking the tool to do something within its limits. So you just got to know its limits. But there again, uh, no, just kind of regurgitated a lot of the same stuff I just said. But it's basically, if you got one of these calibers that don't penetrate the greatest, okay, dumping rounds into the person's torso, eventually one might get to where it needs to go. But, you know, you're going to be far better off putting them in their face or in their head, you know. Um, and, And... there again, you're going for the brain, you know, I mean, the rear portion of the brain, like you, like you discussed in the, uh, the previous show, um, and, uh, or in the spinal column and stuff. But with the 22, I'm not sure that you'd be able to get the penetration 22 from a short barrel pistol, which most your mouth guns are. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So um, let me ask you another question, and if you can't answer this, I understand. that That's okay. Um, no biggie. What caliber do you carry? 9mm. Um, you carry 9mm, okay. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've owned, I've owned and carried at one point in time everything from 9mm, 38 Super, 357 Sig, 40 Smith & Wesson, 38s, 3.7 Magnums, 45 ACPs, you name it, you know. Um, I've always been a huge, huge gun nut, you know. and uh, <laughs> That's good. So, And I, I did buy into, for a little while, the whole stuff that gets kicked around the forums a lot, you know, especially like the survival and preparedness forums, you know, of trimming down my gun collection to just guns that are useful for survival, you know, needs or whatever, you know, but truth be told, I love guns, <laughs> you know, it's, it's always been a passion. It's always been a hobby. So I don't see personally the need for limiting oneself, you know, uh, yeah. 
you know, not having useful guns, you know, and I, I just, I just find them neat. Some people collect baseball cards. Yeah. Me, not so much. <laughs> well, you're kind of like me and, you know, I don't get hung up on caliber. I really don't. I mean that when I say that on the podcast that I don't get hung up on caliber. Um, nope. you know, nine, nine is fine for me, but boy, I sure am enamored with that 357 SIG. I really am. It is my all time favorite handgun cartridge. All it time. is. Why? It is. Cause, um, the very first one I had was a SIG model 229, which is, uh, I guess by standard today, it'd be about a midsize, but on par with the 19, Glock 19, sorry. Um, and I had both the 40 and the 357 SIG barrel. The, uh, with the 357 SIG barrel in it, which was a conversion barrel bought after the fact from the factory SIG, um, it has been, it was the most accurate caliber I'd ever shot. And, um, really? The, the trajectory on it, it, it was just flat, you know, I mean, there was no holdover stuff like that. I mean, we, you know, shoot me and my buddies, we'd shoot it out 50 yards all the time, you know, all the time, you know, um, just goofing around with it and stuff. And, uh, I really liked the pop, you know, I mean, I enjoy recoil sometimes, you know, but I mean, it was just, uh, I don't know what it is about 357 SIG, um, apart from, you know, the flat trajectory and that kind of stuff, you know, um, I've, I've shot goats with it too. Um, None of the bullets I ever did recover, you know, um, oh, they oh. complete penetration, you know, uh, and I'm, you know, and you know, from the, the post I did with the goat with the 115, um, yeah. I shoot them both ways, you know, going side to side on the torso, then front to back, you know, yeah. and it's got serious penetration. I'm not so crazy about it, you know, as a, uh, as a, uh, personal, defense round so to say um obviously i carry a nine millimeter but uh but um you're not crazy about 357 sig as personal defense um, it'll definitely get the job done but you know anytime you're you're dealing with like personal defense you got a lot of other concerns going on you know um you got to look at over penetration risk imposed to other people you know is a big one but um i've yet to find a 357 sig um, handgun that didn't have the muzzle flash of a flamethrower. You know, I mean, it's got a bright muzzle flash, and considering yes. that most of your, you know, shootings, according to statistics that I don't care for, um, so much, uh, they happen in low out, low light conditions. You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, that's one thing I I dis dislike about them. But uh, also the muzzle flip, you know, uh, during the recoil. Um, I don't mind the recoil itself, but it's, uh, I've getting back to the whole penetration and placement. You have, you know, under penetration, you have mm-hmm. over penetration and then you have adequate penetration. You know, if nine millimeter gets it done for me, you know, then I don't really need the added penetration. I guess a defensive role I could really see the 357 SIG shining in would be uh bear country, you know, loads. Ah. Metal jackets, I would, I would choose in a heartbeat over a good many other rounds. Yeah, good point. Well, and and that's why I'm I'm perfectly happy with my nine millimeters. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, um, I love that 357 sig round, and I, I would say probably a 357 sig maybe in my future. Um, but I certainly do not feel under defended with the Glock 19 that's on my hip right now. Absolutely, and just a quick clarification on that too because i know there's going to be people out there saying i've got no problem controlling it you know yeah oh um couple points uh i've never come across anybody to date who is not phenomenal with a 357 sig or another uh gun that has you know more muzzle flip and recoil than nine millimeter that couldn't shoot just as well or you know Accuracy-wise, couldn't shoot just as well with a nine millimeter, and a little bit faster because of the less recoil and muzzle flip. And also, in a self-defense gunfight, who's to say you're actually going to have both hands on the gun to absorb the recoil? Well, so. that's a very good point that I have not thought much of. Uh, thank you, thank you for saying that. Some of these calibers might be a little difficult to shoot one-handed. 
And especially if it's your weak hand. <laughs> especially if it's your, you know what? And when I did that Glock 33 test, I did put it in my weak hand. And yeah. uh, it was much more difficult to control. I was trying to envision somebody trying to wrestle me to the ground, and I have to try to stop them with my weak hand only with a 357 SIG in my hand. I, it would be a lot lot tougher than with a 9mm. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. i got to ask yeah. you something. Since, since you work in an emergency room, i got to ask you something. Mm-hmm. When people come in with gunshot wounds into your ER... Uh-huh. Does it really matter what caliber they've been shot with if it's a 9mm or larger? No, not at all. The only thing that matters is um, location of the bullet, you know, how much blood they've lost, uh, where the bullet's at, you know, did it actually penetrate the uh, diaphragm going into the internal organs and stuff. Um, Most of the time what we do is we try to, as soon as we get them in, you know, after the docs do their, you know, evaluation, decide if they've uh, got a hemothorax and they've got to stick in chest tubes to get the blood out and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, um, once we get them stabilized, we send them over to see if if there's a possibility that the bullet went through um, that diaphragm and into the internal organs. We get them over CT scan like immediately to see what was damaged, the extent of the damage, and then they pretty much go straight up to surgery and stuff most of the time. So So it doesn't matter whether he was shot with a nine or a forty or a forty five or a three fifty seven SIG or uh uh or a forty one, it doesn't matter that much, does it? No, not at all. Not at all. My you know, my very first uh gunshot wound victim well, I can't say that. Um my very first fatality from a gunshot wound came in from uh officer prior to nine mil shot a uh man it was pretty much a incident of suicide by cop but they're uh using nine millimeter and first round went straight through the guy's heart and guess what what he was dead before they got him on the ambulance but they mm-hmm. still brought him anyways you know so i mean it was uh he got a shot a total of he had four wounds and one, two of those wounds were from uh, the same bullet. You know, um, it fully penetrated one, you know, uh, limb and then went through that limb and uh, the position that the person was in at that point in time and it traveled up into the, uh, into his body after penetrating. That's interesting. That's interesting. You know, there's so much argument about, is it better to have a, a big and slow bullet or a small and fast bullet? And, you know, here's someone like you who works in an ER who you're seeing firsthand people come in with these wounds, and you're pretty much making it sound like caliber is not that big of a deal. It's really not. I mean, it all depends on what they hit. I mean, um, I've seen, you know, uh, people shot, you know, with uh, – most calibers. I mean, we see a lot of twenty twos. I don't know what it is with people being dumbasses. With sorry, she's the language with with twenty <laughs> twos. Okay. You know, I mean, uh, and you see, I mean, and it's a lot of accidental shootings. Um, people cleaning a gun and you know not chamber checking it first and you know oh, being that one. That one drives me nuts. How do you shoot you know, when you're cleaning a gun? Come on, check this. Check the chamber three times before you clean your stupid gun, huh? Well, there was a fellow who uh, accidentally shot his ex-girlfriend. She wasn't his ex-girlfriend before she came to the yard, but she certainly was when she left. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, but again, with 22. But uh, I'm seeing, yeah, shotgun, shotguns, you know, uh, various rifles, but uh, a lot of pistols, you know. Well, I bet uh, the shotgun and rifle rounds definitely are. Those wounds, I bet, are a lot different. Uh, you can think of your shotgun rounds if you're using to get into buckshot. Okay, you can think of your shotgun rounds as like um, a pistol that shoots a bunch of projectiles at once. Okay, that's about the velocity they're traveling. You know, you got diameter depending on the uh, size of your buckshot. You know, whether you're using number four, which is like a 22 caliber, you know, all the way up to, you know, double aught, which is your 30 caliber, you know. But it's pretty much, you know, uh, I think Masada, you may have uh, talked about it in one of the pro arms podcast where you get the wound saturation effect, you know, and the spread and all that kind of stuff of the pattern. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, you can imagine like a number four buckshot, which is my favorite suggestion for home defense personally. Um, but you can imagine 27, 22 bullets hitting you at the same exact time. You know? Yeah, that's Spread. amazing. That's a lot of pellets. Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah. But uh, rifles. Well, see, you just described one of the. Hang on to your rifle thought for a minute. You just okay. described one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of shotguns. Yeah, they're so. effective within their within their role. That's for sure. Within their range. Talk about rifles for a minute. Do you notice much difference? Is a rifle a rifle from a wound standpoint, or do you notice much difference between calibers? Um. Yes, no, and in between. It depends. Uh, because you got like a, a lot of different bullets, and I haven't seen all of these in actual human patients coming into the ER. Some personal experience, again, carried over from hunting and from uh, from uh, shooting livestock and stuff, you know. Um, but different types of uh, ammunition in the same caliber gun can have a huge effect on the actual outcome. You know, a prime example would be 223, okay, um, yeah. which are wolf ammo. The jacketing on the bullet is a lot thicker, even with the hollow points. It's thicker than most of your American-made ammunition. So it doesn't tend to fragment, you know, like whereas, you know, your standard full metal jacket that you buy, you know, in the States that's copper jacketed, not that bimetal stuff that the Russian use, it actually fragments and will throw you know, fragments of the jacket and the lead, you know, it'll do a pretty nasty wound pattern and stuff. But, um, I didn't know that. What I noticed a lot with the 223, um, is it tends to ice pick. You know, I mean, you just get with Wolf, with Wolf, let me clarify that, I'm sorry, with Russian ammo that uses bimetal jackets, you know, um, a lot of people are fans of stocking it deep because it's real cheap, you know, compared to, you know, um, higher end price demo it just punches clean ice pick holes through stuff sometimes it it can deflect and change its path a little bit depending on what bones it might strike and stuff but the wounding characteristics are completely different than if you're dealing with like um american full metal jacket even not even good or bad um from a self-defense standpoint Mm. i would not I, I would I would choose the wolf as my ammo choice as an absolute last resort if given the choice between other ammo. Okay. And, and that's because, you know, not only are you ice picking holes through, but the bullet's going to keep on traveling, you know, and you got a huge overpenetration risk. You know, I mean, um, you hear a lot uh, on some of the forums and some other podcasts and whatnot that 223 being great for home defense, you know, and stuff because it doesn't penetrate. But the wolf ammo, because of its bimetal jacket being so thick and the lack of fragmentation, it actually does overpenetrate quite a bit. But if you're using um, NATO ammo, the uh, M193 um, ammo and stuff, it actually fragments, you know, pretty quick and stuff. So it's it's good. It doesn't over it doesn't overpenetrate and stuff. Um, okay. What do you it, think of like what do you think of 223 hollow points? That's what I that's what I keep in my uh, Mini 14. Um, there again, even if it's, I mean, even if it's the wolf hollow points and stuff, it really doesn't fragment. I mean, you get like a couple petals or something and just in my personal experience, but I mean, we've shot, you know, deer and goats and stuff like that with them. And, um, while I did the job, it killed them because you hit them where they're supposed to, you know, uh, when you can recover, when we actually did recover some of the bullets, you know, I mean, we had some that didn't fragment at all. Some that just had the noses smashed in a little bit and some that were just mi- missing like small fragments of the jacketing, you know? So I've got uh, my, I've got in my 223 right now, I've just got Remington hollow points. Right. And then it's probably, probably good to go. Um, yeah. I used to have a, um, when I was big into ARs and stuff and building them all the time, and I had a, um, uh, one built a replica car, you know, like from the Vietnam era, car 15, to where it had the 11 and a half inch barrel with a permanently attached, like five inch or what have you, um, muzzle brake onto it or whatever. So it was running a short barrel, um, short barreled AR system pretty much. And, uh, for that, I actually really like the performance of uh, 
Winchester white box 45 grain uh, varmint rounds because really? of the short barrel. It didn't get up to speed, you know. I mean, it didn't get the full, like, 3,600 feet velocity that they advertise on the box. But uh, what we found in, like, testing on livestock and stuff that we shot with it um, was it actually didn't over-fragment like your varmint grenade, you know, what you would expect from a from a varmint round where it's, like, instant, you know, fragmentation. It actually fragmented a little bit slower. So I think in, for a home defense situation, uh, if I was running, you know, SBR or a uh, AR pistol or something, then then um, I would probably choose that personally, just from my experience. Yeah. So. Well, people have heard me say, and I still stand by this: home defense. I'm still probably going for my pistol first. Um, Absolutely. You know, I mean, the the, the rifle or shotgun is going to be a last resort for me. There might be other people who who think differently, but for me, I'm I'm probably going for my my nine millimeter Glock's probably going to be the first thing I I, t- I grab. And same here. Um, I'm a, yeah, just I'm because a it's a, field- in having a good handgun. I mean, it, it's I guess it comes down to proficiency, you know. Too, if uh, you're proficient with your handgun, you know, then yeah. absolutely by all means, make it your your primary choice. Yeah. You know. But um, I wouldn't. If I need to defend the property, if I'm defending the property, then it's my 223 or my shotgun. Right. You know. Right. So. Um, I kind of view the long guns as a uh, stay in place type defense, you know. But having kids, you know, that you heard earlier, um, yeah. having kids, you know, in other parts of the house possibly, um, having to negotiate hallways, tight quarters, moving around that kind of stuff, it's not something I look forward to with a long gun. You know, especially when you might have to uh, manipulate door handles, locks, light switches, or a flashlight, or what have you. I'm a big fan of uh, you having a pistol set up for for home defense with a uh, rail mounted light and and that kind of stuff. So, but you you and Eric Shelton get along real well then. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's actually um, Eric is Eric's kind of getting me getting me sold on, and I know Eric's probably going to be listening to this because he listens to my show, but he's getting me sold on, on carrying a light on, on my handgun. No. Um, and uh, it is on my home defense gun. Um, in my safe right now for home defense is my Glock 34 with a rail-mounted light on it. Uh, but I, I don't carry a pistol with a rail-mounted light on my belt. Yeah, I don't either. But maybe maybe um, I will. I don't know. Maybe I will. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, I guess my biggest thing is uh, due to my work schedule, my work hours and stuff, um, I'm usually going to work when it's daylight and coming home when it's daylight. So, um, and uh, when I go out and about, you know, um, I guess it, it, it does make sense, I, I would imagine, yeah, to have a real amount of light for if you're going to be out at dark or low light situations. Sure, sure. Well, you know, John, we're, we're just about out of time and I appreciate it, but... Um, if you don't mind, if I could ask you to close with uh, going back to think about some of the unfortunate situations that you've seen come that you have seen come into your ER room. What what would you suggest to people that they do to to avoid that? Um, first thing is uh. If you think you're getting into a dangerous situation, if you see things start going downhill, don't stay there. Get out if you can. And mm-hmm. if you're in that situation to where you can't keep your head on us, we will keep looking, you know, making sure, you know, and some people you can be forceful with, tell them stay back or whatever, and it kind of takes them by surprise and to listen. Other people, it just infuriates and makes them want to come that much more. You know, you just kind of, you know, be aware. Be aware. Know your know your abilities, you know, if you are going to have to use your handgun, um, know your abilities, know your gun's abilities and stuff, and uh, play to its strengths, try to minimize its weaknesses, and uh, just keep assessing the situation, and don't give up. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you said that. You know, a lot of people, you know, they think, you know, fight or flight, like it's a one-time thing. When you're in a fight, having been in several myself, you know, when you're in a fight, it's a constant reoccurring thing that pops up in your head. You get hit too hard one time and it throws you back, you know, and it's like, whoa, maybe I don't want to do this after all, you know. But if you get, you know, you could be all fight, 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 and then all of a sudden 
you know, you start thinking the other way, like flight, 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 and then you uh, can put yourself at more risk by trying to get away. You know, that's a good point. That's a good point I never thought of. I've never been in a fight, thank God, knock on wood. I hope I don't ever get into one. I like to think I'm prepared, but but you've been in one, and and Mm -hmm. you say and you say sometimes flight's not always good, huh? Absolutely not. You know, that's where I mean that's uh, a lot of we see a lot in the ER too. People like they'll get in a fight and they'll they're like, all right, I'm done, and they start trying to walk away. Well, you know what? You know, you just turn your back to the person. You're giving up all your defenses, and they see that as being the best possibility. I mean, that's like um, it's like a lion going for the jugular. You know, I mean, they see it as a weakness. They got the opportunity. They're going to take it. You know, and uh, yeah, you've if. I'm a firm believer, you know, that once you're engaged in a fight, you've got to end the threat, you know, um, not in a sense of shooting to kill or shooting, you know, it's not always it, you know, I mean, there's uh, lots of layers to fighting just like there is with anything, you know, so, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. well, living, living is your first victory. Yep. Um, not ending, not ending up in your ER would be the second in, in, yeah. in my opinion, and and third, surviving the aftermath would probably be the third victory. Yep, absolutely. So, absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, surviving, you know, with all with everything intact, you know, mm-hmm. is the big thing there too. So, I mean. Just because you get in a fight and everything and you live doesn't actually, you know, say that you won or anything, so to speak. I mean, there's that's true lifelong battles with, you know, uh, of um, you know, surgeries and trauma and, you know, mm-hmm. mental trauma, you know, that can go along with that, that you're going to have to deal with, you know, sometimes. So. And the gunshot, even if you live, the gunshot might make you disabled in some way for the rest of your life. No, absolutely. Same people go home with postomy bags. So, uh, well, uh, I think this that's a good thing to close on. There, gunfights are not glamorous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad you said that. Yes, and that's a good thing to close with. Gunfights are not glamorous. Taken from, spoken from, a guy who sees. That would be you, the guy who sees the ugly side of the gunfights in the emergency room, don't you? Absolutely. And uh, Absolutely. that's that's good. That's a good note to close on, and I think it probably sets it up for a part two uh, down the road. Are you up for that at some point? Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Good, John. Thank you very much. This has been fantastic. You you gave me and probably the listeners a perspective that we don't get too often. I appreciate that. I hope. Uh Hope people get something out of it. Uh, they will. John, thanks so much. I appreciate this. Um, and there will be links, folks, for everything that we've talked about. And if any of you listening haven't read his excellent post, I'm going to go ahead one more time in the show notes, and I'm going to link to that because I didn't cover it all in, in that podcast. I left some of it out, so I want you to read that. Um, thanks for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate you and everything that you do, Bob. You're a great, uh, great asset and resource for people to have out there. Thanks. I appreciate it. You take care of yourself, okay? You too. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay. The reason I titled this Thoughts from the ER is because that's exactly what it was. I, I hope you enjoyed that. Man, what a huge learning experience. Thanks very much for coming on the show, John. And Folks, uh, let me extend the invitation. You want to come on the show, just shoot me an email and we'll make it happen. We'll talk a little bit about ahead of time about what you want to talk about. And if you've got a good survival topic and you want to discuss it, by all means, shoot me an email, babatodayssurvival.com. I just want to close the show by saying I am about halfway through with my CD. So, today's survival show combo CD, I'm going to mix a little bit of firearms talk and some general preparedness information. I promise you, you're going to hear some things on there I have not covered on this show before. So, it's only $15 if you want to support my cause here and keep me running. 
Uh, get a copy of your CD. If you don't want a CD, I can do a digital download. I can give you a password to go to a, a special place on the site and download it in MP3 format so you can put it on your iPod or MP3 player. There's a buy now button at today's survival.com. Major credit cards and debit cards are accepted. Please don't go into debt, though. Please, I don't need your money. I don't do this for full-time job, so don't go in the debt. If money is tough, uh, tight for you, you can't do it, that's okay. I won't be offended. Just by you coming back and listening to this show uh, makes me feel good. So, with that said, that's all I want to say, folks. I'm Bob Main. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of today's Survival Show, where it's my goal to help you harness the power of choice. The power of choice to live life the way you want to live it on your own terms and strengthen your resolve. I try to keep survival simple, not extreme, and Teddy Roosevelt once said, do what you can with whatever you have, wherever you are. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Send lawyers, guns, and money. This shit has hit the fan. Guns and money.